0: Hey family, listen. If you're like me, life gets crazy and hectic. And sometimes our body needs a little extra love. For years, I've been using something that has been a game changer for me as well as recommending it to my clients. I'd like to introduce you to Vital Body. It is packed with 37 fruits and vegetables, 19 herbs and spices, prebiotics, 15 strands of probiotics, 21 different enzymes and i'm telling you what you get a hundred percent of your daily dose of 21 vitamins and minerals straight from nature this product contains no gmos and it is vegan friendly and here's the best thing there are no artificial flavors <laughs> so if you're ready to kick off your vitality journey and you want to feel better daily and if you're like me you want a little extra sleep throughout the night, head on over to vitalbody.com backslash Monica. And because you remember the Black Women Amplified family, they are graciously giving us an extra 20% off of our order. Just use the code Monica20. Get prepared. I can't wait for you to try it. Head on over to vitalbody.com backslash Monica and start your vitality journey today. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things black girl magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her League of Extraordinary Women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. Before I introduce our special guest, please make sure that you subscribe, share, rate the podcast, and let the world continue to know about Black Women Amplified. Thank you, and I appreciate it. Today's special guest is Denny bryce Denny Bryce is a remarkable storyteller, award-winning author, professor, and marketing expert who has a great passion for historical fiction. She uncovers fascinating facts about history and weaves them throughout her intriguing books. Her latest book, Can't We Be Friends? tells a story of a true friendship between two of America's biggest icons. Denny co-wrote this book with Eliza Knight, And together, they bring to life the iconic photo of Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe. Today, Denny joins us to share her story, her writing process, and a deep dive into her latest book, Can't We Be Friends? Welcome best-selling author, Denny S. Bryce, to the Black Women Amplified podcast. Welcome, 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 Miss Denny Bryce. I am so excited to have you here. On the Black Women Amplified podcast. Listen, I'm excited to get into this book and get into this conversation because I am so intrigued by this story. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fabulous. I'm excited to be here. I'm definitely excited to talk about this book and the journey that my co-author and I have started. Goodness, it's been a minute, so I'll tell you (laughs) Since we began and where we are now, it's a thrill to finally be able to talk about the book that's come that will be on shelves nationwide March fifth.
0: March fifth. March is a great month. It's my birthday month. Oh,
1: okay. Are you you, an Aries? Yes. Okay. okay. What's your
0: sign, ma'am?
1: Sagittarius.
0: Okay. We're, we're besties then. Sagittarius and Aries yep. do well together. Yeah,
1: yes <laughs> We leave do. each other yes alone do. with, with <laughs> love. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Tons and tons of it too. It's fabulous. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you live in Savannah,
0: Georgia, one of my favorite cities. I've only been once, but I absolutely oh. fell in love with it. Is that where you're from?
1: Oh, no, no. I am somewhat of a traveling gal. I was originally from the Midwest, spent many years in Chicago, lived in (sighs) New York, lived in Washington, D.C., and now I'm in the warmth and luxurious Savannah, Georgia. And I'm enjoying it here, especially when the weather's warm, because I had enough winter in the cities I've lived in to last me. Oh, so I'm happy to have year round sun and temperatures above 50. So, yes, my I'm best friend was
0: born in Savannah. So I went there.
1: Mm.
0: I've been to Savannah a couple of times, but went to visit her family oh, okay. home. And it was this it was is one of those places I was like, I could live here, even though it's yeah, it's a, it seems like a country town. It's very sophisticated. And the art scene is amazing. So I fell in love with it. Right.
1: Yeah. In Chicago.
0: I think half of the people I have interviewed are from Chicago. (laughs) I live in St. Louis. I'm like,
1: I know you all very well. (laughs) Yeah, that's an eight hour drive. I've been there. I've done that. It might be less than that. I used to go to, of all places, if it's still there, the Globe Theater. Yes. This is back in when I was a theater and dance major and a bad actress. That tickled and, and me in that's... your
0: bio, a bad actress. All right.
1: <laughs> Hi. I'm better at other things, but you know, they <laughs> let me on stage acting now and then. Yes. Now, was
0: it always your dream to be a writer? You said you were a dancer and a bad actor. Did writing evolve or is it something uh, well, you always wanted to do?
1: I've always loved words and I'd say my first book I wrote in fourth grade it was my version of the Charlie's Angels me and my besties Mm -hmm. were the Charlie's Angels (laughs) uh, fourth grade and from there I spent my undergrad work I was a theater and dance person but I was a major in college but I devoted a lot of time to you know one of my minors was Shakespeare. Another minor was history. So I was always scribbling. And then I have journals dating back to the 1970s, uh, diaries that I wrote, because I was always scribbling something. And the evolution of all of these other careers, the connecting piece, has always been my involvement in the writing process on some level. When I was with the dance company, I wrote the press releases. Mm-hmm. When I was with, when I started marketing and PR, I was drafting my job was to talk to celebrities on the telephone. It's a crazy world, a crazy mm-hmm. business, but that's part of what I did. And so I would write my script and, and, you know, it just, I was always writing. That's that's the thing. And then my earliest days of writing, guess you could call it fiction. I wrote fan fiction. And that is, some people may be aware of it, some people not. But if you have a favorite TV show or a favorite novel, a favorite film, you go and you start writing stories about the characters that you've fallen in love with through that experience of watching them or reading about them. So my fan fiction fandom was Buffy the Vampire Slayer okay so, <laughs> you know I didn't expect big, that <laughs> that's, that's why I did the big lead up until we got there right. and then I was like okay now I'm gonna hit her with the pa-dum. And right. up uh, okay. like, of all the stories what <laughs> intrigued you about Buffy the Vampire Slayer I was very much enamored with the Buffy-Spike relationship on that series, Mm -hmm. and Buffy was the vampire slayer, the one and only, and she had two great relationships. Both of them happened to be vampires because when you're a slayer or in anything paranormal or of that ilk, you're always going to fall for the one thing you should never fall for, but she had a a great romance with Angel the vampire, but she also had a thing with Spike, and Spike was more the underdog, the not perfect. Well, how can you call a vampire perfect anyway? Mm-hmm. But he 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 was the sketchy one. <laughs> but he but on the real level, he, in my opinion, and many other Buffy Spike writers back in the day. We felt he was the true guy, the really important character. So I had a lot of fun writing that, did it for a while, and it was actually a form of relaxation for me because I was running my own PR and marketing firm at the time. So after a hectic, crazy day and all the things you have to do in the house and this, that, and the other, I'd relax by writing fan fiction. Oh, wow. So so, (laughs) you asked The question about me and writing, it's been a thing in my life from the earliest I can remember. Then after the fan fiction days, I got involved with some friends who were also fan fiction writers who happened to be published authors in the romance category. And they were kind enough to introduce me to some national organizations that really were all about learning the craft of writing and having building networks and communities so that as a writer, it's a very isolated thing, writing books. There's not like a bunch of people in the room when you're working at your hardest. And so it's always great to have a community of other writers or just people who will listen to you when mm-hmm. when the writing isn't going as well as it should be. So, <laughs> and How do you get past the
0: writer's block and the well, navigating I, you know, through the story?
1: Writer's block is an interesting thing because I'm not quite sure if I've experienced it because I always have ideas in my head. I always have thoughts about how I want to put things down on the page or type into the computer. But what does happen is that sometimes I get caught up in wordsmithing mm. too early in the process and that will stop me. That's sort of like will freeze me up if I get too immersed in wordsmithing too early. You want to get the story down on the page and then go back after you know at least what direction you're going and, and potentially how it's going to end so that you can go back to the beginning and start to really get into the story. Because the for me, the best part of writing is revising. Okay. Which some people may find crazy pants, but <laughs> I love getting back into the story and, and, and really massaging it, and working it and, and seeing what I can accomplish with it.
0: Now, when you're writing your stories, are you clear on what you're going to write or does the story kind of emerge as you're going along?
1: Well, you know what we call that in the writer world? There are two types of writers, what they call pantsers. They sit down in front of the computer and the story just keeps on coming. Then there are people called outliners. I outline a book. So I, well, and part of the reason I outline a book is that now that my stories are under contract and they're not hobbies with fan fiction. I have time. I have to get things completed. And since I also write historical fiction, there's the potential to get lost in the rabbit hole where you start to look up one bit of information and 20 Hours later, you 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 blink and you're like, "Oh my God, that's where am I? <laughs> what <laughs> part of of this planet am I on?" I dug so. Deep. What dimension am I in? <laughs> yeah, it just gets it can get super crazy. Mm-hmm. So really, I am an outliner right now, and I'm going to sit down and try to gather. I'm going to do my basic research. I'm going to hit my, what I call my goal post in the historical process. And then I'm going to turn around and start scribbling the key turning points in my story. I'm going to really try and spend some time developing my characters. And I'm working on a new Book now where I'm really digging into the conflict. I really want to establish. What are those barriers, those obstacles to my main characters getting what they think they want, and whether or not what they think they want is the right thing for them to have? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that whole thing is pretty much the part, the earliest part of the process I really enjoy a lot. And then there's the middle part that makes me anxious. And then there's the end part that I'm very excited about. So, yeah, I don't suffer yet. Knock on all kinds of wood from a serious bouts of, of writer's block. So that's a plus. And with Can't We Be Friends, and this the novel of Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe, my writing partner and I, Eliza Knight, what we were able to do when we started, I mentioned how we started this process. I don't know if I actually said the year, but it was 2019. Mm-hmm. And it was an experience that I I enjoyed tremendously. This is the first time I've ever written with someone. And we worked really had a game plan. Both of us were outliners. Both of us enjoyed historical research, both of us saved the other from the rabbit hole, the dangers of the rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. and also being very conscious of the women that we were writing about, wanting to dig into the truths as we were able to identify them as we went through the research and the facts and the opportunity for fiction within the facts that we were able to unearth.
0: That's amazing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But before we get there, I'm very fascinated that just six months ago, a little more, a little less, you released another book called The Other Princess. (laughs) Yes, I did. So (laughs) tell us who is The Other Princess and how did you get into that project?
1: Okay, well, The Other Princess is the, the full title is a novel of Queen Victoria's goddaughter. And this is a fictional novel, biographical historical fiction, inspired by a real person, Sarah Forbes Mm Bonetta. Sarah Forbes Bonetta was an African princess in West Africa in durable land. And her family was sort of the king and queen of their village. However, that village was attacked and bad things happened. She was captured by the Dahomey, and uh, that's the woman king. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's a little bit later in King Gizo's reign, if you will. Mm -hmm. But the Dahomey and King Gizo, he also was involved in the slave trade. So she became, as a child, one of his captives, one of his enslaved. And later on, a couple of years after she spent this time, he had a ceremony, he had several ceremonies where part of what he did to sh- showcase and demonstrate his wealth was to have sacrifices and from his enslavement camp. And she was set to be sacrificed when a British soldier and officer who was there at the Dahomey's palace was there to talk to him about slowing down his role on the slave trade, because this was in 1834 is when the UK uh, made the practice of buying and selling slaves or human beings (laughs) illegal. But there wasn't a stop. If you already had enslaved persons in your realm, you didn't have to let them go. So it was a very complicated period. But nonetheless, this British officer forged a deal with King Gizo and saved the young girl, Anya was her original name, A-I-N-A, in case I'm mispronouncing it, and She was, and I put this in quotes always, she was gifted to Queen Victoria, and her name changed to Sarah Forbes Bonetta, the commander who, quote-unquote, rescued her. His last name was his commander Forbes. The name of his ship that he sailed back to Britain with her on board was the HMS Bonetta. So Mm -hmm. that's the sort of the groundwork of the story from there i did my research and had the wonderful opportunity in 1999 walter dean myers who was a children's author children's book author wrote a book called in her majesty's service i believe is the title i might be off on her majesty's something but anyway he African-American man who had been contacted by a bookshop owner in London saying, I found all this stuff and I think you might be interested in it. This stuff that he found was letters, diaries, other journals, etc. written by Sarah Forbes Bonetta and others who were involved in her life as she was a part of the royal court friends with the royal family at Queen Victoria. This is in the 1850s, mm-hmm. 1860s, etc. So I was able to take this wonderful information. I mean, it's so rare, at least in my the work I've done in historical fiction, to find the actual words of someone from the 19th century, a Black woman from that time period, and have her Diary words. It was just fascinating to me. But your initial question, which I sort of strayed away from, was how (laughs) did this come to pass? Well, my editor at William Morrow, Tessa Woodward, had put a post on her then Twitter feed that said, How come no one's written about Sarah Forbes Benetta? And this is a couple of years ago. And there was a TV series, I think in 2016 or something around that time called Victoria on PBS, Mm -hmm. and in one of their episodes, they actually had the little African girl who was the Queen's goddaughter in a couple of episodes. I remember seeing it, but I just didn't hone in on it, but when I saw this post by Tessa Woodward, I was like, "Let me give this a, a shot and and especially <laughs> especially with the encouragement, a good friend of mine and a fabulous author by the name of Vanessa Riley, who's written some wonderful historical fictions. But anyway, I put together a proposal and was able to get it in front of Tessa. And the next thing you know, I was, you know, given the opportunity through contracts and other things to write this book. So that's how The Other Princess came to pass. And it's been out. It was released October 3rd. And it's out in the world. It's doing its thing. And I'm very excited and very proud of that book.
0: That's beautiful. I know with the popularity of Bridgerton and Queen Charlotte and the Gilded Mm -hmm. Age, people are really getting interested in, are just realizing that there were black people during these times as well. And oh, absolutely.
1: So, and, and not, there were definitely Like affluent black people, black people and royal black That's people. That's what, uh, exactly. I was going to say this. There are some African elite who were wealthy, just mm-hmm. enormously wealthy. And especially in places like Sierra Leone and along the western coast of Africa, working in from merchandise from palm oil to cocoa beans and just a lot of different products and industry that enabled these men and families to live very well. And it was great to dig into the Victorian era and the royal family and how they interacted with Sarah And others Mm -hmm. uh, from different backgrounds and and things like that. But also there was a a stronghold of elite. That's the reference that they had in terms of middle class, upper class, and whatever in London. So it was it was an enriching, enjoyable process, and I'm very proud of that book. And in fact, and actually later this month. I think it's already because it's coming out in Brazil. It's already in Brazil in Portuguese. And it's a UK publisher has also purchased it. And it'll be available in the UK, Canada, and Australia, February 29th or 28th. Oh, that is fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for asking about my book.
0: When I saw it, I was like, I have to now I want to read this book. Because I'm fascinated, you know, they they erase us so much. And especially with the what's going on now, it's important Mm -hmm. that we see our real stories, whether they're from the continent, Brazil, America, whatever Mm -hmm. the story is, you know, we gotta pluck ourselves back into the the lexicon
1: of of the world. Exactly. And it's such a large world, but such a definitive connection Mm -hmm. between African-Americans and their origins Mm -hmm. and our origins like my family is I'm first generation Bermudan and Jamaican and so being able I'm digging into Caribbean stories especially Jamaica because I was there last winter but just knowing how my grandmother got here back in the 20s and how my father got here back in the fifties and sixties and what he went through. It's just, I want to know more and I want to share more of those stories because our people have been doing things and living brilliant lives and fabulous experiences. And we are more than worthy of great fiction.
0: Most definitely, and I'm I'm really happy that you're writing these stories, and hopefully, you'll find a historical fiction inside of your own story that you can share with everybody. Now we are, yeah, I'm sure that between Jamaica and Bermuda and all the other places, I'm sure there's some very oh, yeah. intriguing there's
1: some, stories. <laughs> there's some stuff.
0: There's some stuff. <laughs> now the book. Can't we be friends? Oh my goodness. I remember seeing this picture of Ella, like most of my life, Ella and Marilyn Monroe. And I just thought it was a moment, you know, like Marilyn went to see Ella or vice versa. And they just took a picture and moved on with their lives. Reading this book, they had a real friendship. Yes,
1: they did. Yes, why was it important
0: for you to tell this story? And how did you come across the title and how did it come to be? (laughs)
1: Well, as I mentioned, it really, Eliza Knight and I, when I, I was in 2019, I was living in the Washington, D.C. area, and that's, Eliza lives in that area. So my, she and I and other friends, we'd get together once a month and just have write-ins at different people's homes because we were always writing part of the community there, the writer's community in, that, in the D.M.V. And so several times it would end up being myself and Eliza doing our afternoon write-in. And one afternoon we just started playing around on the computers and I was like, girl, look at this photo. The other, It was like, look at this story over here. And we started digging into some, to the Macombo Club. Mm-hmm. And from there we were really, you know, saw the photo, but then we dug from there and like, What was this? Was this by chance? Was this, as you were saying, just a moment? But then we found through our research so many, so much information first. And it was challenging to really dig it out because during that time period, you're not going to get a lot of stories about the friendship or the connection between a black woman and a white woman. Number Mm -hmm. one, it wasn't, you know, Hollywood didn't care for that. That was not to be regularly reported. And then on the other end, Ella Fitzgerald was a very private person. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we were able to nail down and confirm came from their YouTube interviews with Ella from the 70s and 80s. And, you know, mostly 70s, 80s, because she passed, I think, in the 90s, that where she talked about her life a little bit more freely and Mm -hmm. her connection to people and to Marilyn. We also found a contract that in the name of the album was Friends. Mm -hmm. That was a contract for Ella and Marilyn to do an album together.
0: Oh, wow. Hello family, this is Monica Wisdom. I wanted to share a story with you that absolutely changed my life. In 2015, during a business trip, my hustle-driven life led me straight to urgent care with full-blown pneumonia. The doctor's orders were clear, no flying home until I fully recovered. Faced with a critical decision, I had to choose between continuing to ignore my exhaustion or embrace self-care. After three days of reflection and healing, I made a choice. The decision was to prioritize my self-care and reclaim my vitality. I shifted my life and put myself first. Now I'm here to help other women who find themselves at a similar crossroads. I offer two ways that we can work together with Monica Wisdom Coaching, personalized one-on-one coaching or self-care downloadable journals designed to help you recalibrate your life and put yourself first. Simply visit www.blackwomenamplifier.com and all the information is there. Take a moment, visit the site, and let me know how we can work together and how I can support you supporting yourself. Have an amazing day and God bless you.
1: So with those kinds of fines, we were Able to really put together that friendship and those moments where they were in the same city, talking on the phone. You know, I mean, conversations, of course, this is historical fiction, but we knew they were in the same place and could dig through some of our history to find the facts of the matter. In addition, we were very conscious of the fact that Marilyn's story has been told quite a bit. Yes. And we wanted to really dig into her story from a different perspective, or what we felt was a different perspective from what others might have, how others had depicted her. First of all, we both felt that both Ella and Marilyn were very intelligent women, very driven, very capable of running their own careers, but but they couldn't, to a certain extent, because of the misogyny in the industry. That mm-hmm. was just not something they were encouraged or permitted to do. So we had those bonds to elaborate on. But Marilyn had a room, a house, a house full of books. She was an avid reader, very much so. She also was an avid fan of, not fan of Ellis. Her singing was the epitome of what Marilyn, that was Marilyn's goal, was to be as good a singer or sing like Ella. Ella, on the other hand, was private and didn't really fall into the Hollywood swing, but it was also, she had some some things that, you know, one of the things I mentioned in the story that I found in an issue of Jet magazine. Back in 1950, I want to say 51 or 52, the headline was famous fat women. Mm. And inside mm. that article, you had Ella was one of the stars featured. And imagine, imagine the the comfort Horror. level mm-hmm. of publications during that time period, no matter be it a Jet magazine or a Time magazine or Walter. Walter Winchell's column, et cetera, et cetera, or the Macombo Club. There was some misinformation about how, what people, some of the stories you'll see, or some of the posts. I, I'll just, I won't call them stories, but some of the posts out there will say that the Marilyn helped Ella get into the Macombo Club because they were denying her because she was black. Well. They'd already had Lena Horne and Eartha Kitt and Dorothy Dandridge on their (laughs) stage. And the first club that Ella performed at was Tiffany Club, not the Macombo. And Marilyn was definitely helpful. We had found a letter that was written to the manager from secretary to secretary at, you know, talking about would was Marilyn still going to do an after party for the event? But the thing that stopped, and I don't think it's a big giveaway to the book, but the thing that prevented the Macambo or the Sunset Strip clubs at the time from hiring Ella initially was because she wasn't a size six.
0: That's what I found really interesting is that I was like, oh, it wasn't about her being Black specifically. Right. By her not
1: having the right image for the club. Or what they thought. You know, that's that statement on beauty as defined by, and the 50s was a hard time. I mean, every time, to me, every decade has its rough spots for women. But the 50s was, you know, post-World War II, Mm -hmm. and there was this, you know, you could see it in the films from that time period. You had the hourglass figures. You had the men dominating the, the movie screens in terms of characters, women were were just secondary plot points. I, I'm a, a totally a, a movie buff, a classic movie buff. So just, mm-hmm. and looking I at am that, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah just the external, you think about those, everything from Butterfield eight, even, you know, with Elizabeth Taylor during that time period and all of the movies that Marilyn made in the fifties, she was just, you know she had a couple of opportunities to work out of it but she was she was the figure she was you know the object of male gaze was the way things mm-hmm. were she walked. was an accessory definitely exactly and that's what yeah, i loved yeah. about
0: this book is you showed her inner world and how much mm-hmm. she wanted to be taken as a serious actress and a serious businesswoman even starting Absolutely. her own production company and putting out her own work But her her roadblock was always some man (laughs) (laughs) away, whether it was the studio or some fella she was dating, Joe DiMaggio or anyone else. And it was really interesting. She had that, I love that you showed her inner conflict of she knew who Marilyn was, she knew who Norma Jean was, but she wanted to be this powerhouse woman, like, you know, I would say like a, a Lucille Ball. You know
1: uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and so and looking at Ella's situation, Ella, one of the later interviews, one of the that I watched gave me some great insight. Gave us both some great insight on Ella. Was she said something about being in love and mm. family and having a family and not being allowed to have everything she wanted and. She wanted to be married. She wanted to have that life, but she didn't want to give up singing. And that was a tug back and forth for her. And she was also, I don't want to give away certain things, but she was desperately in love with a person. Uh, a man, that, yes. a person. <laughs> that, um, yeah. Listen, when I was putting together these questions, I was like, I
0: can't ask her this because it's going to tell what I want to know. <laughs> I was like, okay, Ella in Europe, yes, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, yes, my <laughs> girl was out there. She was out there. She did what she had to do. Yes. And I a joy of it, even though I am a music, I love music across many areas, any kind of style of music, I'm in love with it. But what was incredibly enjoyable with this book was the opportunity to listen to all of her music. And especially her live performances, because that's where I could also get a sense of her personality, mm-hmm. because part of the whole live performance is her banter with the band, with the audience, just off the cuff things that she might say. So I could sort of get a real strong feeling of how she just handled and the music. And it's just, it was just incredible. And then her international fame, a, Especially in the 50s she was on the that's one of the hardest working women in show business right right there she did not let anything slow her down and it was just so enjoyable to know that the similarities between the two women mm-hmm. definitely fueled their friendship but also what mattered to them separately. And then the other thing that was fun about writing a friendship novel was women and our, we like to sit back and chat. (laughs) We like to hang out and go through it with our bestie and talk about these things. So some of the scenes were just felt so authentic even though we hadn't been in the room when it happened you know right yeah I mean it
0: was you once you just the way that you all introduced their friendship through the letter writing Mm -hmm. and the inquiry for will you teach me how to sing I didn't know Mm -hmm. that Marilyn Monroe even took her singing that seriously oh gosh and I didn't realize that she was such a student of her craft But I loved how the letters just got more and more involved and they were really, they had a friendship in real life, but these letters were beautiful to each other and they were asking questions and answering them. And it was beautifully done.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Eliza and I, it, it was a process because what we did, well, first we researched together, had a whole big spreadsheet. We worked in Google Docs. And, you know, since I'm a film buff, I knew all of everybody's films, all of Marilyn's films I'd seen at some point in time. We would watch and listen and share a lot so that we got a sense of each other's, of the characters that we were working on. So then we go and after we did a very detailed outline, we write a few chapters and exchange the chapters go through and and then because we also were did a lot of back and forth with the manuscript because we wanted that continuity and a voice and you know if ella and Marilyn are together in a room ella and Marilyn are together in the room you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so we had that we had a lot of fun working on this book that that is definitely a fact it was hard work now let me not make it at all sound like it was a walk in the park, because writing books is writing books. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of words. I mean, we have one, one of these days, we'll share some of the chapters that didn't make it into the book, because there are a few of those that would be fun to share. We've talked about doing that down the road after the book is released, And we can share some things like with our newsletter readers and stuff like that. But yeah, the story has surprised us, which was, you know, from the research, we got surprised. And in the writing process, you know, we both have different styles, but we were able to, I shouldn't say different styles, our writing merged, but we have different approaches to writing. Mm -hmm. And we were able to mix and match approaches so that we were able to get a seamless process down on the page. So we're very proud of the work. Very proud of the work. I can't uh, wait for it to get out there.
0: I was very curious in that because I was like, well, they're completely different writers. How are Mm -hmm. they going to put this together? How were you able to put this together and make one voice? So it didn't sound like, well, this one did Marilyn or this one did you know, this, right, you right. could tell this, or you could tell that. And it was really fascinating to me because you see musicians collaborate and movie people collaborate or writers rooms for television shows, but to see an actual novel be ri- being written by two completely different people was very interesting to me. And I, I thank you for yeah. explaining that process. Now, do you find any similarities between you and Eliza and Marilyn and Ella? Were there any parallels <laughs> in that story? Well. I
1: think that's a great question. So it could be potentially a reversal. <laughs> I'm an extroverted type personality. I mean, Ella would be quiet in a room. You know, she would move proudly through the room, but she's she's not going to be the one to make sure the cameras are on her. On the other hand... Marilyn would be, and that's probably more like me. (laughs) And and, But on the other hand, Ella loved things. She loved her fur coats. She loved her cars. She had, of all things, a ridiculous collection of cookbooks. Everywhere she went, she didn't cook, but Mm -hmm. she collected cookbooks. I don't collect cookbooks, but I collect stuff. I like stuff. And I do like you know, all that, you know, external stuff. Like you know, a a mom, they it. say. Yes, you know, I'm not mad. I'm not gonna get angry if somebody wants to throw one my way. <laughs> and Eliza is 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 not the type of person that needs all of that extra fluff. She's you know, she's really a down-to-earth person. I'm down to earth in a way, but you know, in terms of you asked the question, so I'm gonna make I'ma blame you. Okay. It's <laughs> no my fault. <laughs> it's my fault. You like luxury? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't have to go that far no. I didn't have to share. But yeah, I do I do like that. Don't get me started now if you start talking about pairing wines with meals and da-da-da, because I think that, that comes from my earlier career because I ran my own marketing and PR firm and part of what I did were events and rather large production type things so Mm -hmm. I always enjoy you know those I like limos I like
0: (laughs) I like the things (laughs) listen and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that I like the things too (laughs) We should all like the things.
1: <laughs> I think so. I think so. Why not?
0: <laughs> so this, what do you feel that they brought, Marilyn and, and Ella brought to each other? And what impact do you think Ella had on Marilyn? Because we know the impact, you know, about her career that
1: Marilyn had on Ella. Mm-hmm. I think that it was a conversation she could trust. I think that that's a huge part of the ella Marilyn relationship. Ella had family that was also a part of her life that she was close to. I think that Marilyn had so many different things going on with external people, a lot of men mostly, that to be able to sit with a friend and trust that what she was saying would be safe with that friend, that is what was important, I feel, for the for Marilyn's connection to Ella. They could talk because Marilyn had a lot of she was very she was quietly but consistently involved in the civil rights movement. She had things that she was very felt very strongly about, but those were the things you didn't see the cameras on her when she was that person that they didn't think that she could be multi-layered and she could be multi-layered with Ella. She could, you know, she could be complicated. So what did Ella seem like a very
0: reserved person and mm-hmm. very guarded? Except when she went to Europe.
1: <laughs> no, no, don't don't go there. I'm not going.
0: <laughs> Is that what Marilyn, outside of her career, but is that what Marilyn brought to her? Because in the letters, you know, Marilyn was encouraging her to just have a good time.
1: I think think you caught exactly what was going on there because Ella, as many African-Americans in the music industry in the 50s, especially women, they had to be guarded. You had to, or you weren't, if you weren't guarded, You'd get some unfortunate, you know, you think about Billie Holiday's career and, and they were contemporaries. Billie Holiday and Ella and gosh, Sarah Vaughan and just a whole group of, of these super talented African-American singers and actresses. And they had to keep themselves safe to the extent that they could. And I think that Mm -hmm. after her marriage, after her initial marriage, Ella, she needed somebody like Marilyn in her life on on encouraging her to enjoy it Mm -hmm. because Ella worked 24-7. And to actually have the opportunity for her to let herself live life outside of what happened on a stage or in a recording studio Mm -hmm. was a big step for her
0: yes it was you can see as she as the book progressed she opened up and Mm -hmm. got to experience life in a whole new way and it was like all right girl I I, I loved it and even her (laughs) you know even her conversation about family about being a mom like you never heard that about Ella you never heard
1: anything outside of her singing really Right, right. Because she did not talk to the press. I mean, I listened to one interview that she did, a radio interview that was never released. One of her managers squelched it, where she talked about the civil rights movement, where she talked about how upset she was about things that were happening in the African American community per- perpetrated by racism and segregation and all of the Jim Crow things that would be happening in the 1950s. And that interview did not get out publicly at the time. Mm -hmm. And so at the same time, I think in the book, there may be and I can't remember, (laughs) because there's so many words Mm -hmm. in the world. But you know, there were people or she might have even said it herself that she wished they'd go down south. And the racism I know, there was Things would happen that just pulled her back. When you're on stage is one thing. You step off the stage and there's still Mm -hmm. pushback. There's Mm -hmm. still the racism. There's still people who don't want you there. Right. And so I can respect the whole idea of her being guarded because she was a big star, a huge star, and should have been in, in, in our time period. She never did Broadway. She sang all the Broadway songs, but mm-hmm. they didn't let her on Broadway. She didn't do any musicals. She wanted a TV series. They didn't give her that. I mean, it, and she was a huge superstar, but at the same time, with limitations.
0: This they is definitely pushed Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: To dim her let light. Use this, but you can't do that. Right. Yeah. So it was an amazing career and two amazing women that it just made sense that they were buds it just after we kept digging through it eliza and i kept digging through that we were like oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) by the end of the book and the
0: last segment of their last segment of the book which ties into the beginning of the book and you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah that's what i knew oh they're real friends (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's what a true friend does. They're real friends.
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs> what yes, do you hope much. that
0: people understand from reading this book? We can't, can't we be friends?
1: I hope that they are introduced to an Ellen Fitzgerald they did not know existed. And the same applies for Marilyn Monroe. Because this is not the Marilyn that everybody kind of sort of thinks she should be. She's a real person. Ella was a real person. Both of these women were striving for greatness, striving for greatness on both sides of the entertainment life. They wanted to be the very best they could be as entertainers, but they also wanted to be the very best women and Mm -hmm. people they could be. And they were able to have moments where hanging out together or interacting with each other gave them joy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved how they would plan. We got to get together. I'm going to be in this city and you, you know, let's get together. And (laughs) they always found each other. And I thought that was beautiful. And thank you so much for all of this. I mean, the book is lovely and I learned so much. And it was just, just to hear a beautiful story of Girlfriend's is so nice that it didn't have anything to do with anybody else but them. That was beautiful. So thank you and Eliza for this book, but before you go. Okay. <laughs> you are a an award-winning writer, you are a book critic for NPR and you are a professor. So I can't let you get out of here without <laughs> giving our readers Some advice on how to get their books into the world and how important it is for Black people to share their
1: stories. Well, you've said it right there. It is important for Black people to share their stories. That is just a fact, a fact that should not be shied away from. As for the writing world, it's something I say every time I'm asked this question be patient with yourself. Don't compare your journey as a writer or as a a prospective published writer to anyone else. The words that you put on a page can be one day at a time. So often when I interact even with students or other author friends, sometimes we get overwhelmed with the entire project. And that's all you see is the entire project. But frankly, it's one word at a time. And so be patient with yourself and your craft because you'll finish the book, get the book finished and then go back through it and and look at it again. But it doesn't have to happen overnight and that's okay. (laughs)
0: Thank you so much for that. That's gonna inspire a lot of people. I tell people all the time, I said, if you don't write a book, start a podcast but it's important that we archive our stories in one way or another. Now, thank you again for this, this time together it has been delightful. And I'm going to put on our website in our show notes, a link where people can order the book. But how can people find you in the World Wide Web?
1: Okay. Well, that's pretty easy. The name is Denny S. Bryce. And all of my website and social media handles is Denny S. Bryce written all together. And that S is in Sam. And you can find me at Instagram, at the Twitter form, X, formerly known as Twitter. Right, whatever it is today. <laughs> whatever it is. And Facebook. I play around on TikTok because I love music and pretending that I'm a, a motion picture director. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing over there, but I'm doing it. And so come follow me. Just find just Look up Denny S. Price. And there, there I will be. Same thing goes for my bud, Eliza Knight. And that last name is spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. And she is on the same social media platforms as me. She has a great website. She writes, of course, she writes a lot of fabulous stuff. I think she has a couple of books. But well, prior to this one, her last book was starring Adela Astaire. She wrote a fabulous novel about the life of Fred Astaire's sister, oh. who is very much not talked about enough. And so... Our book will be out, Can't We Be Friends? A Novel of Ella Fitzgerald and Marilyn Monroe, March 5th. Yay! And I thank you so much for having me. I am really, really enjoyed our conversation. Super enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you for joining the Black Women Amplify podcast. And I hope that you have an amazing day and that this one day will become a movie so that you can write that as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Have an amazing day and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining.